Hey friends, thanks for jumping online with me tonight and uh, taking part with this midweek moment. I want to encourage you to share. If you're watching on Facebook or you're watching on YouTube, please share tonight's teaching. Uh, we want to get as many people as we can to hear what, uh, what we're talking about, get connected with the Lord, and hopefully get connected here at New Life. Uh, tonight we're going to go back to uh, chapter 4 of uh, the book of Philippians. We've been there for many, many weeks now, and we're just about ready to wrap it up here in the next several weeks. But in chapter 4, Paul talks about the joy of contentment. Joy and contentment. You know, those two things are power twins. They just, they just seem to, to work well together. Uh, recently, I read an article in the Associated Press uh, that uh, was reporting on a survey was that was taken with American people. And it said that in 2020, how, how difficult uh, 2020, the year, was on the American psyche. In fact, many Americans said that it was the most difficult year in the last 50 years, that they were more unhappy today than they've been in the last 50 years of their life. Now, when you think about all the things that have happened, and some of us have been around for 50 years, all the things that have happened over the last 50 years, and yet 2020 uh, robbed us of happiness more than any other year. And I get it. I understand why. We had COVID, and because of COVID, we had shutdowns, we had lockdowns, we had lock-ins, we had wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Uh, I mean, it took a toll. It, it affected our economy. It affected our emotions. It affected everything around us. And as a result of that, uh, they're saying that 23% of Americans are unhappy today. That, that works out to almost one in every four Americans. So that means when we walk down the sidewalk or we're in the mall or the airport that, uh, you know, one out of every four people we pass are miserable. They're unhappy. They have no contentment in their life. Uh, again, a survey of, of 100 Harvard graduates. You know, Harvard is a, is a high-quality school, and usually people that go to Harvard become successful. So they, they interviewed and surveyed 100 graduates and asked them if they were happy in their life, if they had contentment in their life. And the majority of them said that even though they had status and even though they had a position, they had a title, and they had money and a good salary, they were not content or happy. In fact, they said they still struggle with the feelings of futility and despair and discouragement. So here's the $64,000 question we need to ask ourselves tonight. Are we content? Am I content? Are you content? And if we're not content, we have to say, why? Why am I struggling to find joy and contentment in my life? Here's another question. Where are we looking to find joy and contentment? Uh, are we looking at money? Are we looking at position? Are we looking at assets? Are we looking at politicians to make us content in life? We have to ask ourselves the question because I believe it's God's will for us to be content. In fact, when you read, and we've discovered this throughout this study in Philippians, that Paul in spite of the most challenging situations in life, the most trying and troubling circumstances, was able to maintain a sense of joy and contentment in his life. So what is contentment? I mean, I think it's important that we understand what it is because that's what Paul talks about here. And to understand what it is, I think we have to diffuse some misconceptions about contentment. 
And the first misconception is we think that contentment is suppressing our emotions. Well, if I just keep my emotions down, if I just set on my emotions, if I just don't, you know, don't deal with my emotions, that uh, somehow I'm going to be content. That doesn't work. That will never work. When we suppress our emotions and our feelings, eventually they're going to blow up. And when they blow up, it's not going to be a pretty situation or scene. Uh, it is not giving into my circumstances. Sometimes people think, well, if I just accept my circumstances, if I just accept defeat in my life, if I just accept the fact that I'm, I'm never going to be happy, I'm not going to have joy. Some people have it. I'm not going to have it. I'm not going to have contentment that somehow that is it. That is not what contentment is. It's not accepting your situation. You can improve your situation. More importantly, Jesus can improve your situation. And it's not the accumulation of wealth and possessions. Now, I'm not against wealth and possessions. More importantly, God is not against wealth and possessions. But somehow Americans think that if we have more possessions and more money and more wealth and more toys in the garage, that somehow we're going to be happy and content and just bubble over with joy in our life. And that's not the case. In fact, you think about the last three years of the people that we know in society who were wealthy, whether they're athletes or actors or musicians or whoever they are, they're wealthy, they have money, they have everything that, that people think makes you happy. And yet they've come out and said, I'm miserable, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged. And some tragically have even taken their lives. So it's not the accumulation of wealth and possessions. What is contentment? Well, if we go to the dictionary, here's what it says. Being happy enough with what one has or who one is. Being satisfied without desiring more. That's how Webster defines it. Now, how does the Apostle Paul define it? Because, again, this guy was able to maintain joy and contentment even when he's, you know, arrested and in jail in Rome. Here's how I think Paul said it. I think Paul would say, I'm confident that I measure up to anything I face because of the resources and strength God has made available to me through Jesus Christ. Paul found his joy, his strength, his resources, his contentment in his relationship with Jesus Christ. We can search the world over. We can chase every rabbit to find contentment. But until we have a personal relationship with Jesus, we will never know the joy of the Lord and the contentment that only he can bring. So here, I think, here I think we find Paul's uh, let's say scriptural formula for contentment. Paul talked a lot about attitude and right thinking, okay? So I think Paul would say if you have the right attitude, if you think right, it leads to the right actions or the right behavior because attitude leads to action or behavior. And the result of that is that we have the joy of the Lord and the contentment that only comes through Jesus. It all starts with how we think. We spent several weeks talking about that. Contentment and joy comes down to a relationship with Jesus, renewing our mind, thinking right. As we think right, we walk right. As we walk right, it results in joy and contentment. Okay? So, how do we find it in our life? How did Paul find it in his life? First, we need to find contentment in meaningful relationships. 
meaningful personal relationships. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 3. Paul said, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in the spreading of the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Paul made it very clear that much of the joy and the contentment and uh, the peace that he had in his heart in spite of his circumstances was because he had meaningful relationships in his life. Now, the first relationship was a personal relationship with Jesus, okay? That's where it all starts. But he also had an incredible relationship with these believers in the Philippian church. My friend, we are created. We are created to have relationship. We're created to be loved and accepted by God and by other people. And so Paul knew that he had friends in Philippi. He prayed for them, they prayed for him. And time and time again, he drew strength and joy and contentment in his life because he knew that in spite of his circumstances, in spite of what other people were saying about him and, and uh, trying to undermine his character, that these people stood with him in the tough times of life. And I can tell you, anytime we go through a 2020 or anytime your world is turned upside down, if you have meaningful relationships in your life with Jesus and with people, you can survive that situation. I'm not talking about fair-weathered friends. I'm not talking about people that are with you until something happens. I'm not talking about people that are your BFF now and tomorrow they're not your BFF. I'm talking about people that love you for who you are and stand with you. And we need those kind of relationships. And we need people in our life that are faith-based, people who know the Lord also, people who will speak into our spirit and will encourage us in the Lord. And I can tell you money can't buy that. You can't buy those kind of friendships. You have to invest in them and cultivate those relationships, both with the Lord and with other people. Also, I think Paul found it in personal growth. And that's where we find it. We must find contentment and joy in our personal growth and development. Back to chapter 1, verse number 6. Paul said, I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Then in chapter 3, verse number 12, he said, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. Remember, perfection means maturity or total development. He said, but I press on to possess perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. So in chapter 1, he's reminding the Philippians that God has begun a good work. When we give our heart to Jesus, when we experience personal salvation, Jesus begins a spiritual work. If any man be in Christ, he's a new person. Old things are passing away. All things are becoming new. So God begins to work in us, and he begins to develop us, all right? So he reminds them that God is going to keep doing that until he finally finishes that project. And then Paul said, as it relates to his own life, that he hadn't reached perfection. 
He hadn't reached maturity. He hasn't reached uh, full growth as a Christian or a follower of Christ. And when you think about Paul and all the things that he accomplished, when you think about you know, the spiritual maturity of this man, and yet he said, hey, I, I, there's room for personal growth. I can continue to grow. I must continue to apply myself. So if we're gonna have joy and contentment in our life, yes, it comes from personal relationships, but it also comes from not allowing ourselves to become stagnant in our life. Sometimes we just get stagnant. We think, well, there's nothing else I can learn. There's nothing else I can experience. You know, I've seen it all. I'm at an age in my life where, you know, I'm just gonna kick back. Well, you can kick back and retire, but you can't retire from growing emotionally and growing spiritually and growing intellectually in your life. So I hope none of us get to the place that we think I have arrived. Paul said he hadn't arrived and that there was more and he had to keep pressing forward, all right? So he knew where he was, he knew where he, he was going. He knew what he'd accomplished, but he knew there were other things that he wanted to accomplish in his life. Maybe you've heard of a, a gentleman named Pablo Casa. Pablo Casa. Pablo Casa at one time was considered to be the greatest cello player in the world. And they were interviewing him. And the person uh, asked him a question and said, uh, do you still practice every day? He said, yes, I do. Well, how many hours, Mr. Casa, do you practice? He said, I practice six hours a day. And they said, you're 95 years old, you're the greatest cello player in the world, and you're practicing six hours a day? Why would you do that? He said, because I believe that I'm still making progress. I believe that I'm still getting better. I believe that I'm still growing. I believe that I'm still advancing. And that's how we have to approach life. Regardless of our age, we must say, you know what, there's more for me to do. There's more for me to learn. There's more, more spiritual depth for me to experience in my life. There's more that God wants to do in me and through me. So my friend, I believe it's God's will for us to have joy and contentment, for us to have those power twins working in our life. And so let's get focused. Let's give our heart to Jesus. Let's surrender our life to him. Let's begin to follow him. Let's get some good people around us in our life that will speak into our life. And let's continue to strive and grow and develop as a person. I believe we can do it. I believe he'll help us do it. I'll look forward to seeing you next time. Take care.